do not sleep on the Texas A&M Aggies. I know what you're thinking. I know you're rolling your eyes into the back of your head right now because I don't blame you. I might be the one that's reading the tea leaves and probably sipping the Kool-Aid. Always College Football with Greg McElroy is presented by AT&T 5G. Too much college football is never too much with AT&T 5G. Hello and welcome in. It's the off season, ladies and gentlemen. Come on. Everybody gather around. We got eight months, but hey, don't worry. We got lots to look forward to between now and August when these games get underway. So don't worry. For those of you that thought we were going to abandon you and just leave you by the side of the road there in Los Angeles trying to think about how a team just lost by 58 in the national championship, don't worry. We're here. We're not going anywhere. We're going to be here for the next eight months. We're going to be going three days a week for now, all right? In the summertime, Depending on the news, it's going to be a little bit more, maybe two days a week, TBD, just going to be a little bit more news dependent. So if there's news, we'll do a show. If there's not, we won't. But we're going to at least be with you a couple times a week at the very least here on ESPN's YouTube channel and here on the podcast. But the off season isn't really like it used to be. Like There was a time where the off season. We would transition. I did radio forever on Sirius XM. Now I do radio on Jocks 94.5. So I still do year-round radio and we transition into basketball. It's not what we're doing here. Okay. We will stay on college football from the very end, from the very beginning to the very end of the offseason. The one thing I'll say about this is it never really slows down like it used to. I mean, whether it's portal, NFL draft announcements, whether it's Coaching carousel changes, moves, you name it, things are happening in college football. So we feel like there is an appetite to consume college football-related content year-round. That's why we are going to aim to bring it to you here on this platform. For Mark Kubiak, I'm Greg McElroy. A lot to get to today. Today, we're going to start a series of off-season 2022 look back, 2023 look forward, basically big picture conference previews. Now, these are very big picture. They're very early. They're more treetop than pretty much anything we've ever done on the show, but it's going to kind of be a bit of a refresher course and a bit of a look ahead for each Power 5 league. And we're also going to do the group of five together in one big show because we don't want to ignore anybody. We're going to hit the power five, but we're also going to do a show dedicated to the group of five and some of the teams that have been the loudest in the group of five in years past, UCF, Cincinnati, Houston, what have you. Guess what? You're not going to be in the group of five preview anymore because you're no longer a group of five team. So there's a lot that we need to kind of get to here over the next couple of weeks. So we will do six shows here over the next two weeks to kind of talk about the big picture, the direction of the conferences, teams that are up, teams that are down, potential impact transfers, returning important players, what have you. So a lot that we need to get to. Let's not waste any more time. First up is the top dog. The kings of college football, as of right now, the SEC. It's now time for Let's Talk About It, presented by AT&T 5G. This episode is brought to you by AT&T, official sponsor of the college football playoff. Is checking your team stats at 2 a.m., watching highlights while eating with buddies, or catching the game during a wedding all too much? Nope. 
because too much college football is never too much. And AT&T 5G keeps you connected all season long. 5G requires compatible plan and device. 5G may not be available in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. All right, the SEC, the kings of college football. Their words, not mine, but it's hard to dispute. You look at the championships, one Obviously, Georgia's having one two in a row, Bama before that, LSU before that, Clemson, of course. They're kind of breaking up some monotony with the SEC's reign of dominance starting in 2015. It's been a remarkable run. There's no denying that. But the SEC, of course, has to replace some key pieces. However, we all know it starts and stops right now with the Georgia Bulldogs. After that performance, after what we saw from Georgia in 2022, how can you possibly bet against them in 2023? Now, are there reasons to be a little bit concerned? Perhaps we haven't seen a team go three in a row in a really, really, really long time. So it's been a minute since we've seen a team with this type of consistency, but there's reason to believe that Georgia will sustain. They've already been very impactful in the transfer portal. We've seen guys that are probably going to step right in, which is something that Georgia has not done traditionally. Not a team that really relied heavily on transfers, but you bring in Dominic Lovett, you bring in Ray Ray, uh, Ra Ra Thomas from Missouri and Mississippi State, respectively, to fortify that wide receiver core, giving off the impression that the team's going to be a little bit more pass-focused in 2023 with Carson Beck and or Brock Vandergriff at the helm. It's going to be very interesting to see Georgia being kind of upset there in the SEC East. Now, can Tennessee potentially close the gap? We'll discuss them here in just a moment. Georgia is the top dog. Is there anyone that disagrees with that? Do we need to go into detail right now as to why we feel bullish on what Kirby Smart has coming back in 2023? No, we don't need to go there. Perfect. You're saving us a whole boatload of time. Let's go to Bama, okay? Traditionally, at worst, they're 1B to fill-in-the-blanks 1A, but usually that fill-in-the-blank is a one-year run, a la, say, LSU in 2019, a la, say, what you thought was going to be Georgia in 2021. But Bama now is kind of in unfamiliar territory. They are in number two team in their respective conference. That's a pretty wild sight when you really think about it. Now, where will Nick Saban go from here? You look at all the players, a bunch of guys that have entered the portal, a bunch of guys that have also entered the NFL draft, including most notably Bryce Young and Will Anderson. Will those guys be difficult to replace? No doubt about it. Not just their production, but also their leadership as well. Guys that love to set the tone on their respective side of the football Who's going to step up to fill those voids? If you look at Bama coming into this upcoming year, look at the personnel. You look at the coaching staff. Right now, as we're recording this right now, Bill O'Brien, still the offensive coordinator at Alabama. I don't expect that to be the case when things kind of get going 
here in the 23 season. On the other side of the ball, Pete Golding, formerly the defensive coordinator. He has now left for the Ole Miss Rebels. More on him in just a minute. Now, where does Nick Saban go from here? There's all types of speculation. I've heard names from Jim Leonard to Jeremy Pruitt. So it doesn't necessarily matter where they go. Wherever they go, they're still going to run the defense that's been run there for a very long time. Obviously, Jim Leonard, a little different than Nick Saban, but at Really, at his core, I think they're cut from a very similar cloth. Very cerebral, very smart, great uh, great understanding of how to make life difficult on opposing quarterbacks. So big questions on that side of the ball for Alabama. On the other side of the ball, probably bigger questions. You got to replace the Heisman Trophy winner. Will it be Jalen Milrow? Will it be Ty Simpson? Will it be someone else that we're not even really sure of right now? TBD, either way, I think it's... Highly unlikely that Nick Saban starts a true freshman, but it's happened before Jalen Hurts started as a true freshman in 2016. Got to think that the wide receiver group, you would hope that they're going to be improved from where they were a year ago. This was a group that was very up and down. They added CJ Dupree in the transfer portal from Maryland, so that should help a little bit at tight end. A guy that's really kind of a move guy that I think was a little bit underutilized there in that passing attack because of how many great weapons they had on the perimeter. Offensive line, big question mark, especially given the inconsistencies of that group this past year. And then on the other side of the ball, like we referenced a moment ago, you got to find a guy to be able to replace. I'm not saying you're going to be able to replicate, but replace somewhat the production that we look at when you see from Will Anderson. So it's going to be very interesting, I think, at all three levels. You got to find a signal caller in Henry Toto. You got to replace your best safeties, three of them, by the way. Brian Branch, Battle, Helms, place a bunch in the back end. So Bama's going to look very different. And for the first time in a while, there are legitimate question marks. Now, will they be active in the portal after the springtime? If they don't feel good about their personnel that's stepping into those roles, we'll find out. But I do think this is the first time in a long time where there are real, genuine question marks about Alabama. Will they be great? Probably. But will they be up to the Bama standard? That's the question that remains to be seen. The third piece in the puzzle based on this past year with the Tennessee Volunteers. What a massive step forward for Tennessee in 2022. Will those steps continue? There are some notable departures naturally. You lose a couple dynamic playmakers at wide receiver in Tillman and in Hyatt, but Tillman missed a lot of time this year, so they've already learned how to work without his presence. But Hyatt was the Blitnikoff Award winner. And if there's one thing I know is that if you lose a Blitnikoff Award winner, that's a guy that puts fear in the defenses every single week. That's not an easy piece to replace. And if you look across the board at the SEC wide receiver spot, a position that was once of great strength is one, is now of legitimate questions, legitimate question marks, legitimate concerns. Tennessee needs receivers probably as much as anything else. Will they have some young guys step up? Probably. We'll break those rosters down a little bit more here in the days and weeks to come. But Tennessee, with Brew McCoy at that number one wide receiver spot, they got to find a couple extra pieces. I think they're very underrated at running back. And I really think that Joe Milton has a chance to be a superstar. The natural ability is there. The guy can throw the ball a country mile. But when you're throwing the ball a country mile and your receiver is only running a route that's three quarters of a country mile downfield, you got problems. But if there's one thing we learned based on some of his play down the stretch, he's learned how to regulate 
that gun. He's got a governor governor on his right shoulder now, and he's not just launching the ball as far as humanly possible. He's allowing the receiver to run underneath it, and he's not overthrowing guys with the same regularity that he once did early in the 2021 season, which ultimately got him benched in favor of Hendon Hooker. I think he's got a chance to have a massive year. That's one of the sleepers in the conference that we need to keep an eye on. Moving to the other side of the conference, the LSU Tigers, winners of the SEC West. I think if you look at LSU, yes, they will be without a couple of very important pieces. For instance, being able to replace the edge presence that was B.J. Ojolari is not easy. Being able to replace some of the other pieces along the defensive front won't be the easiest thing in the world. Replacing Kayshawn Bouti is not going to be the easiest thing in the world either. But guess what? I don't think Bouti played very well this year. And I think that when you look at Ojolari, well, impossible to be able to replicate what he did. You do have Harold Perkins that, well, in a perfect world, you'd have both those guys on the field rushing the passer in an obvious passing situation. Well, now you only have one, but that one is for the most part unblockable. Harold Perkins in year number two is probably going to be as good as any defender in the preseason in all of college football. Now, once he just learns what he's doing, right? It took him a little while to come on, but that final month of the season, there were some really bright spots for Harold Perkins. In the back end, that's where I'd like to see this group improve drastically. LSU has always been known as a place that has great D linemen and great defensive backs. Defensive back game, not so great. Defensive line game, very strong. But the DBs need to take a significant step forward, relatively speaking, in 2023 and beyond. Moving over to the offensive side of the football, reference Kayshawn Booty's departure, no problem. Addition by subtraction. In my eyes, I think that he was a bit, not saying he was a bad guy or anything, but I just feel like he was a bit of a headache for the staff, having to get involved, having to deal with him, maybe not necessarily always doing what was asked of him. We called six of their games, two or three of them, he played great, two or three of them, I didn't even know he was on the field. I think they can do just fine in his absence. Malik Neighbors will likely step up. You got a young star, what appears to be a young star in Mason Taylor at tight end. And you got Jaden Daniels, who decided to come back this year, which I think was a good decision. He had some great moments, but there was way too many early in the year in which he tried to do it all himself. He doesn't need to do it that way. He needs to just understand how he fits within the offense and be a distributor, not a one-man show. And he learned that as the season went along, started to play his best football in late October, early November. All was great. Even played okay in the early going against Georgia for a moment. And then of course came back in the bowl game and there's a lot to be very optimistic about. I think LSU and Bama are neck and neck heading into next year. Bama, of course, because they host LSU, maybe you'd give them a slight edge, but I think that gap is as close as it's been in a while in the preseason. That is remember back in 2019, nobody was talking about LSU and Joe Burrow potentially jumping Bama and winning the SEC, winning the national championship. Everyone was talking about Tua and how much of a gap is there between Tua and the Alabama Crimson Tide and everybody else. Well, Joe Burrow made his presence known very early in that season, and it appears as though this year, the division probably more than it's been in a while feels a little bit like a toss-up, okay? So a lot that we need to get to when it comes to those top four teams. 
Let's get to some superlative questions with the remaining 10. If Alabama doesn't win the SEC West next year, I think LSU is the odds-on favorite. But do not sleep on the Texas A&M Aggies. I know what you're thinking. I know you're rolling your eyes into the back of your head right now because I don't blame you. I might be the one that's reading the tea leaves and probably sipping the Kool-Aid, but I was on the call for Texas A&M's demolition of LSU. I called that game. And I remember watching the tape leading up to that game being less than intrigued by what I witnessed on the tape. There was a lack of execution. There was an occasional lack of effort. You could tell that there was a lot of youth because guys were running around trying to make plays that they didn't need to be trying to make, both offensively and defensively. And the offense really didn't have much juice. Well, guess what? You bring in Bobby Petrino, and a lot of people say, whoa, you're going to post the picture of him at Arkansas and all this other stuff. Like, I know what internet, college football internet trolls do. I know, okay? I see him on Twitter. I get it. But you cannot deny that Bobby Petrino is one hell of an offensive mind. Okay, you cannot. That is not up for debate. You can feel however you want to feel about him personally. You can feel whatever you want to feel about his tenure at both Louisville and at Arkansas. And if you want to go real low hanging fruit, bring up the Atlanta Falcons. I'm fine with all that. Him as a head coach, no bueno. Him as an offensive mind, really, really good and has been for a really long time. If you actually look what he did last year. Now, no one's going to sit here and say that Arkansas is a great defensive outfit in 22. No one's no one's going to do that. I'm I'm certainly not. But that dude gave the Hogs all they wanted with an FCS football team. He went into Fayetteville and scored 30 plus with an FCS football team. This guy can coach him and he knows how to call plays. So however you feel about the marriage between Jimbo Fisher, Bobby Petrino, is Jimbo really going to be hands-off? Is he really going to delegate? Don't get me wrong. I have all those same questions. But I cannot deny what Bobby Petrino has been able to do from an offensive productivity standpoint at every single stop. I think he's got a chance to turn that thing around. And you look at some of the young playmakers. They played a lot of young guys. A lot. And in the final game of the year, in a gotta-have-it situation, in a, hey, man, let's turn this thing around. Let's go out and win one for each other. In a win-one-for-the-gipper situation, they went out and they worked LSU. And LSU, as we all know, pretty good football team, as evidenced by their performance, not just in the bowl game, but they also did some good things against a pretty good defense in Georgia as well in the SEC championship game. So just saying, just saying. Don't sleep on AM. They're not going to be in the top six, okay? But they might not even be in the top 25. If I can get a little flyer on the Aggies to maybe go make a little noise, uh, I'll roll the dice there. Why wouldn't I? Moving over to the East, if it's not Georgia and if it's not Tennessee, who's it going to be? It's a difficult one to answer because there is a little bit of a contingent between team three, four, and five. Because I can make a lot of really good arguments for how South Carolina finished the season. I can make a lot of pretty good arguments about what Kentucky has done over the course of their tenure 
with Mark Stoops at the helm. And you add in Devin Leary, and you bring back the offensive coordinator, Liam Cohen, from the Los Angeles Rams. He's now back. And I think there's enough. Not saying there's a lot, but there's enough to make me still think that Florida can be a problem. More on Florida in a minute. I don't think that if I had to rank them, it'd be in that order. I'd have Florida fifth right now, but I would probably have a difficult time thinking that Florida isn't going to be improved in Billy Napier's second year. I just believe too much in Billy. People are focusing, well, look at the Jalen Rashada situation. They're a mess. Fair. Get it. Understand. I'm not, I'm not going to try to sit here and spin it and say, well, everyone needs to go drink their Gatorade. They're, you know, they're, they're, they got issues. There's no denying they have issues, but they also, I think in some ways, I believe in Billy Napier. I believe in his process and I believe that they're going to be a lot better in year two than they were in year one. Now, will the win loss record show? I don't know, but I know that they're going to probably take a significant step. At least I hope they will, because I want Florida to be a factor in the sec. If you will, Missouri would be six. Vandy would be seven. I don't think I need to do much splaining when it comes to that. But when you look at that, South Carolina, are we putting too much stock into the final two games of the regular season? Probably. But they also lost some key pieces too. You lose a Jaheim Bell to Florida State via the transfer portal. You lose a couple other key pieces, new offensive coordinator. I mean, there's. I like South Carolina and I love Shane Beamer. But when we're now taking the next step this offseason and thinking, all right, well, hey, maybe this is the year. Hey, they figured it out down the stretch. Maybe now they can figure it out, build on what they did at the end, and take the next huge leap forward. And who knows, pull off an upset against Georgia and maybe represent the East in the SEC title game. I don't see that. Not yet. I think the gap between Team 2 in Tennessee and Team 3, which I right now would probably say is South Carolina, is about the size of Gulf of Mexico. I think it's significant. Kentucky, I mentioned Devin Leary. He could potentially be the most important grad transfer at this moment. As we tape this right now, the portal's still open for a couple more days. So don't hey, don't don't hold me to this because I reserve the right to change as long as the portal's open. But as of right now, the most impactful transfer this upcoming year has a chance to be Devin Leary, who transferred from NC State to Kentucky to be the starting quarterback. Him paired with Liam Cohen, I think it's a really nice mix. They just have to get that offensive line going because that offensive line stunk for most of last year. And that's a group that traditionally is fairly reliable. Moving on to a couple more superlative questions. Who's under the most pressure to win in 2023? It's Jimbo Fisher. Not even close, okay? Not even close. And I I think Jimbo had a young team this year, but he's had a young team almost every year, it feels like. And that's starting to fall on deaf ears. Now, is he going to lose his job? No, I'm not going to go that far. I'm just not. Uh, I think that there's still positivity around the program. I'm not sure they're going to cut a check for $70 million to just escort him out the building. I don't see it. For as unreasonable as fans are from time to time, there's no way someone's cutting a $70 million check to buy Jimbo Fisher out of what is an insanely long contract. It's not going to happen. So I think he's going to be there for an extended period of time. But he's under the most pressure because you can point to it, well, it's the offense. It's archaic. 
One, I don't think it's necessarily archaic. I just think that they were a little bit hamstrung because you had so many freshmen in the lineup that you couldn't do that many things that were creative. But if he doesn't take a step forward and they're, say, five and seven again this year, all the goodwill that's been built up with their prowess on the recruiting trail, it's all going to fall apart. It is. It's all going to fall apart. Like everyone was talking about AM through the light like, man, they are the next Bama. There they go. Look at them. No one can recruit with them. They got the deepest pockets. They got the access to the most resources. No one's going to be able to hang with the Aggies. They are the most dangerous team to Bama's reign in the SEC. Well, that's been proven incorrect. Georgia is, obviously. But AM needs it this year. Needs it because all those young players, second year in the program, you got to take a legitimate step forward this year. Have to. I'm not saying you win the West, I'm not saying you need to win 10 games. But you better win eight. And if you don't, things are going to continue to get a little bit more negative around the program. The biggest question mark coming into 2023 by a wide margin is the Ole Miss Rebels. The Ole Miss Rebels, they were a massive question mark coming in this past season. They're an even bigger question mark coming in this season. You had five guys that already decided to leave for the NFL draft. You've been very active in the portal for the last handful of years. So there's very little homegrown talent. Yes, they hit on a guy like Quinshon, Quinshon Judkins, freshman last year that was one of the best running backs in college football. But the likelihood of having a day one impact player as a true freshman, incredibly small. You got to have some semblance of high school recruiting development. Where are they at with that? It's not a priority. Where are they at? Lane Kiffin has talked openly about his abandoning of the traditional model of recruitment, prioritizing the portal, and they've done a really good job in situations in which they go and get a guy and plug and play. I think they'll still be really good offensively, but there are questions about the long-term health and sustainability with how they've gone about it the last couple of years. Lane's really good. I think he's an excellent coach. I think he'll continue to be excellent from an exo standpoint and creating issues for the opposition. But I think at some point down the road, living and dying by the portal could ultimately have a huge impact on you. And when things start to turn like they did at the end of the 22 season, if you have a bunch of guys that aren't truly invested in the culture of the program, when things start to turn, guess what? It's going to linger longer than it would be if guys were invested and were recruited and really believed in the culture that they were trying to establish. So that's the team that I think as of right now is the biggest question mark. You add in a great defensive coordinator higher in Pete Golding from Alabama, that's significant. But what Lanes wanted to be defensively is a 3-3-5 defense. Keep everything in front of you. Don't give up big plays. Force them to snap the football. If they score a touchdown, they're going to earn it because they're going to have to manufacture 10, 12, 14 play drives. That's who he's wanted to be. That's not who Pete Golding is. So big question marks on that side of the ball as well. They got to get better personnel on that side of the ball, but they also need to figure out who they want to be. Because if you take what Pete Golding's been for the last few years at Bama, and you look at what Ole Miss has been the last few years under multiple defensive coordinators, they are oil and water. Which direction do you think Lane Kiffin is going to go. Finally, I want to tell you about the team I'm most concerned about heading into 2023. Most concerned about. 
Now you got to take this with a slight grain of salt because expectations are what lead to concerns. That's the key. Expectations, if they are in some ways unreasonable, then that's going to lead to you being a little bit concerned. The team that I'm most concerned about right now in the SEC are the Florida Gators. And it's not because I don't think they're going to take a step forward. I just told you I think they would. I think they're going to be better this upcoming year than they were this past year. The problem is a lot of their fan base thinks it's the Spurrier era. And if they're not going out winning 10 games and winning every game by 40, then Billy Napier is doing a piss poor job. I don't agree with that. I think Billy Napier is pretty good. I think he's a really good coach. I think he's a process-oriented coach, wants to build a foundation and then incrementally grow as they climb the ladder. This thing is not going to happen overnight. Billy Napier has great relationships with high school coaches. He's going to still prioritize the high school game. They will add a piece or two in the portal, but ultimately he has a process with which he wants to go about doing this. And I just am just preaching Preaching, please, please, please to the Gator faithful that watch this show. Know that I'm pulling for you, but it's going to take a little bit of time. Look, if they roll out the ball next year and win 10 games, I will eat all the crow in the world. Serve it to me on the back of a dump truck. I will eat that crow. I don't see it happening. I hope it does for your sake. I don't see it happening. I think you're looking at another seven, eight win season tops, but I bet you you're going to be better. I really do. I bet you you're going to be better this upcoming year than you were last year with those wicked and wild inconsistencies that you experienced, like the highs of beating Utah and the lows of getting absolutely backhanded by the Oregon State Beavers. If you can just become a little bit more predictable, that's progress. Even if it doesn't show in the win-loss column, that's progress. So that's the team I'm most concerned about it, but it's entirely due to how people feel as if 10 wins is a birthright in and around Gainesville, Florida. Let's Talk About It is brought to you by AT&T 5G. Too much college football is never too much with AT&T 5G. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right, moving into a couple news and notes of the day. There was this rampant speculation about C.J. Stroud potentially foregoing the NFL draft to return to school for some massive NIL purse that some said could be in the $10 to $12 million range. Y'all, that was absurd. 
no chance. Like, hey, I, I, I would love for him to have come back. I'm sure for him, it's probably very frustrating to lose the final two games of your college career. But I can honestly say, as someone that was in attendance, as someone that was part of the, rod, the radio call for the Peach Bowl, his best game ever, given the competition, was against Georgia in that final college football game. He played his freaking heart out, played his tail off, gave his team so many chances to be in position to succeed. You cannot possibly consider coming back to school after putting a tape out there like that. Like he ended on a high note. I know not, not the way the team wanted it to be, but as far as the quality of the tape, it's about as good as it gets. Did he miss some throws? Yes, it wasn't flawless, but that was about as good as it gets. I'm so proud of what he's accomplished at Ohio State. I think it's the correct move. I think at the very least, he'll be a top five pick. I think he has a chance to potentially go number one overall, especially when you take everything into consideration. Things he needs to iron out for sure, but as you dive into that final tape, you dive into a few others this year. If he has a great workout, if he runs really well, if he does all those things, he's going to be a very wealthy man. Would have been if he returned to Ohio State either way, but he's going to be extremely wealthy now, a generational wealth, given the fact that he's going to be a first-round pick, start the clock on the NFL contract, and hopefully someday down the road he makes more money than he could ever comprehend spending. That's for sure. Another big note out of the weekend, the Clemson Tigers. It's rare to see Dabo Sweeney fire a coach, but he decided to in this instance. He fired Brandon Streeter, the offensive coordinator, and he's now bringing in TCU's Garrett Riley, the offensive coordinator that just recently won the Burroughs Award as the nation's best assistant. Why is this significant? Like I said, Dabo doesn't do this very often. And two, the last time he did this was Kevin Steele back in like 2011. It's been a really long time since he decided to part ways with the coach. You know the Clemson way. They just promote from within. You're raised in the system. You grow up in the system, and eventually you get your shot. Well, not the case here. He makes an outside hire, pays Garrett Riley appropriately, 1.75 per year over the next three and he gets a $300,000 signing bonus up front. So maybe this is not even as much about Garrett Riley and the play and the offensive philosophy and all this other stuff. This might be as much about the lack of development that both DJ Uyunglele had and in a roundabout way, the lack of progress that Cade Klubnik showed throughout the course of the season to be able to unseat DJ Uyunglele as the starter. So an interesting move there at Clemson. You go out and it appears as though you got one of the best available. So it's a good mix. It'll be interesting to see how Garrett Riley's offensive philosophy meshes with what they've done at Clemson in recent years. There are some similar elements to it, but a little bit different too at the same time. So very interested in seeing how that whole thing blends together. And I feel very excited about seeing that marriage. All right, final thought. We want to dedicate this show and we also want to send up some prayers to the family of Devin Willick, the former Georgia offensive lineman who was tragically killed alongside a recru recruiting staffer, Chandler LaCroix, there in Athens, Georgia, early Sunday morning in a one-car car accident. I just feel so bad for their family. I feel so bad for the community in Athens. I feel so terrible for all their teammates and their support staff, all those that were touched by those two individuals' presence to see their lives cut short. Obviously, Chandler at 21 years old 
And you look at Devin, I believe 21 or so as well. Uh, just a heartbreaking situation there in Athens. So just say a prayer for them, lift them up in your thoughts, and know that the community surrounding Athens is hurting today as a result of their unfortunate and untimely passing. So just a sad deal there uh, in Athens, Georgia over the weekend. But uh, we really appreciate you being with us. We hope that you enjoyed the show, talking a little SEC. We will here in a couple of days. We're going to get into the Big Ten. We got ACC preview. We got Big 12 preview. We got Pac-12 preview. We got Group of Five preview. We got all sorts of off-season previews that we need to get to here in the next few weeks. So this is the first of a series. Keep it locked in here on ESPN's YouTube channel or with us here on the podcast. You can like, rate, and subscribe. It helps us out and helps the show out. And continue to tell your friends, hey, we are your home for the off-season banter right here for college football. So we look forward to our future interaction and keep it locked in. Know that the season doesn't end. It only continues just into a slightly different phase. So very much look forward to the next eight months. We have a lot of things we need to address, a lot of previews that need to be had, a lot of discussions that need to be had as well. So thanks so much for being with us. For all of us here at Always College Football, for Jake, Jack, Mark, I'm Greg. This has been Always College Football with Greg McElroy, presented by AT&T 5G. Too much college football is never too much with AT&T 5G. Hey guys, it's Greg McElroy. Thanks for watching Always College Football. Make sure you like, rate, and subscribe to ESPN's YouTube channel and wherever you listen to your podcasts.